0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Atlanta. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. So as we always do, I hope you all are having a great week this week. And again, Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, so as we do every week, we do our shout outs to start our show. So shout out to my number one fan. Hey, Mom, I hope you're having a fabulous Thursday morning. Shout out to our family in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Hobbs, New Mexico, Temecula, California, Opelika, Alabama, Houston, Texas, Seattle, Washington, Hampton, Virginia, Woodbridge, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, Lusby, Maryland, College Park, Georgia, Oxford, North Carolina, Center, Alabama, Gadsden, Alabama, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So as always, shout out your city. Tell me where you are listening or watching from. And next week, I will be more than happy to shout out your city. As I said, we are live today on Thursdays, every Thursday at 11 a.m. We are live on WWE Real 1100 AM. We are also streaming on the internet at www.real1100.com and you can watch us live on Facebook. So I'm doing a Facebook live now. So hey, Facebook family, how are y'all doing today? So our Facebook page is Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We also broadcast on the Real 1100 AM uh, Facebook page and on our parent company, uh, Old Fashioned Health Network uh, Facebook page. We also have a YouTube channel, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, where we upload uh, the previous week's shows. As I said, we are a proud part of the Old Fashioned Health Network. So thank you to those listeners who tune in to us as well. We're on several podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google and Captivate. And we are on social media. Hey, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. All right. So I'm going to add y'all. I'm shouting y'all out today, but we're going to shout y'all out next week too. I'll add y'all to the list. We are on social media on Facebook. Please follow us on our Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa page. On Instagram at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And on Twitter at Minutes Doctor. So, okay. Today, our guest had a situation where they had to cancel. Hey, Miss Markeisha Daniel, hey. Alrighty, so our guest had to cancel today because duty calls, right? And so on another Thursday, we will welcome Dr. Courtney Cavill uh, to our show. So, because we had to have that last minute cancellation, we are going to just do just kind of a random hodgepodge today, right? So we're going to just talk about some hot topics that have been uh, happening in medicine that has been in the news. So the first thing, and the enduring thing, of course, uh, it's talking about COVID-19, we, we can't stop talking about it, nor should we. Um, and we are today talking about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So of course, you all are aware that there are now three vaccines that are available on the market. Of course, the, the Pfizer-BioNTech um, vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and now we have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that is available. So I'll tell you a little bit about um, this study about this vaccine. So as you all know, um, you know, I don't speak on a vaccine until I've had an opportunity to review the data. And so that was my homework for this week uh, was to review this. So uh, this briefing document that was submitted to the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, Um, The uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a phase three trial. So um, as we have talked before, typically there are four phases um, to our um, medicine development, be it a therapeutic medicine, a vaccine, whatever. Um, There are four phases. And so this was phase three. And the phases go from... um, like in the lab where they're doing things on animal models and such things. And then they go to human trials and it's a small group, um, you know, a small group of human trials and then a larger group uh, human trial. And that's where we are in phase three. And then phase four is an even larger cohort or number of people that we um, that we use. So phase three is where we are and phase three is where Pfizer the Pfizer vaccine is and it's also where the Moderna vaccine is so like Pfizer and Moderna the Johnson & Johnson vaccine study had about 40,000 participants and it was a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial and so again I'll take a point here to explain to you what this what this means. So this is like the gold standard for any medical study that you want or any research study. Um, So randomized means that you'll have people who will be randomly divided into however many groups. In this situation, it was two groups. And a double blind means that neither the participants nor the researchers know who goes into what group. Right. So for the Johnson and Johnson, same with Pfizer and Moderna, the two groups were the vaccine group, so those participants who would get the vaccine and the placebo group, those participants who would get an injection, but it was not the vaccine. And so double blind means that the participants don't know which group they're in so they don't know when they sign up for the study they don't know if they're going to get the vaccine or if they're going to get the placebo and the researchers don't know either and what this does it helps us to not have bias because of course um, there is a motivation in these vaccine studies doing well and the motivation is that the vaccine will come onto the market and that people will be helped because we're all kind of tired of COVID I know I am I know you all are right so there would be a bias there to make the study successful. So if I know that I have gotten the, the vaccine, let's say, um, you know, I might be inclined to say that the vaccine was great and to not report any issues that I've had or whatever, because I want the study to succeed. So that's why we like to have people be blinded in their study so that way their results or what they report is as honest as we can expect it to be. And when we say placebo controlled, again, that means that one group gets the vaccine in this case and the other group gets the placebo. So gold standard study. So I always like when I read these studies to see that phrase, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled, because I know that I can trust the results uh, from that study, that what they say they are, they are, and bias has been minimized. This vaccine, however, is a single-dose vaccination, in contrast to the Pfizer and Moderna, which are two doses. Uh, And the participants were evaluated at 14 days after the vaccine, 28 days after, and even 60 days after uh, the vaccine. And they looked for, of course, the effectiveness or efficacy um, of the vaccine. So about the participants in this study, they were ages 18 and up, um, and there were uh, three deaths in the vaccine group, 16 deaths in the placebo group, and 145 people were discontinued for, from the study for various reasons. So it could be that someone has decided they don't want to participate after after getting the dose, and they don't come back for the follow-up visits, or um, that someone, um, you know, for example, with pregnancy is is one. So pregnancy should have been excluded from the study right but some people got pregnant during the course of the study and so those people get excluded like they don't get to go any further um, in the study although with this being a one dose you know they already got the dose so so we'll have to see what comes of that in terms of demographics 44.5 percent were female Uh, 20.4% were greater than 65 years old, and so that's one of the things that we always concern ourselves with is, are we having a broad representation of the population that this vaccine is going to go to? So, you know, it would be um, unreasonable, if you will, to study this in 18 to 25-year-olds and then expect for it to work for 65-year-olds when we haven't tested it in this group and we don't know for sure. So, um, like I said, 20.4% were greater than, greater than or equal to 65 years old. 62% were white, 17% identified as black or African American, 8.3% identified as Native American, 3.5% Asian, 0.3% Hawaiian and Pacific Islander, and uh, 5.4% identified as multiracial of that 5.4%. were Hispanic. 40% of the people had at least one comorbidity, and so this was um, 9,000 participants. So let me back myself up. About 40,000 people were studied all in together in this study. Um, And again, those numbers are similar to what we're seeing in the Pfizer uh, data as well as in the Moderna data that they're studying about 40,000 people. Um, So about 9,000 of them, or almost 25%, had at least one comorbidity, because again, that's another point of safety, that if you already have a chronic illness, is it safe for you to take this vaccine? That's one of the questions that we, we want to answer. So this study uh, took place uh, all over the world, Um, again, similar to the other two vaccines. Uh, 46.7% of the participants were United States citizens, 17.3% were from Brazil, 12.7% were from South America, and 23.3% were divided amongst five countries in Latin America. So when we talk about these uh, comorbidities, so just to give you a broad swath of the conditions that people had, uh, study participants had asthma, some had cancer, some had had strokes, uh, cystic fibrosis, chronic kidney disease, COPD, heart disease, HIV positive, hypertension, liver disease, neurologic diseases, uh, pulmonary fibrosis, diabetes, sickle cell disease and thalassemia. So a broad swath of medical conditions were included uh, in the participants in this study. So now when we talk about vaccine efficacy or effectiveness, um, it is 66% effective. Now, that is dramatically different from the Pfizer and Moderna who were boasting 95 and 94% efficacy respectively. Uh, But don't be dismayed by that and don't be tuned off by that because you only need about 50% uh, vaccine efficacy in order to be considered an effective uh, vaccine. So they were well above that 50%. Uh, Like I said, there were deaths Um, as there always are. Um, Three in the vaccine group, 16 in the placebo group. And of that 16 in the placebo group, seven of them died from COVID, uh, which is unfortunate. So in terms of reactions uh, to this vaccine, of course, there are the local reactions that, that we all experience. There may be some injection site pain, there may be some erythema or redness at the injection site, and there may be swelling. Um, and those things were, um, hello, North Carolina. Um, and those, uh, those are common adverse reactions. And so those are not um, unique to, to this vaccine um, because basically anytime you get a needle in your arm, it may not hurt at that point in time, but you may have some arm soreness like the next day. So that is not unusual. Um, there were some systemic adverse uh, reactions. And so and I'm going to give you the numbers between the vaccine and the placebo group. Uh, Fatigue, uh, about 1,300 in the vaccine group, about 700 in the placebo group. Headache, again, about 1,300 in the vaccine group and about 800 in the placebo group. Myalgia or muscle aches, um, about 1,100 in the vaccine group and about 400 in the placebo group. Nausea, about 500 in the vaccine group and about 300 in the placebo group. And fever, 300 in the vaccine group and 20 in the placebo group. So when we talk about um, this vaccine, like what's in it? Because that's always the important thing, right? That's the thing that people want to know. Number one, is it safe? How many people have died from it? Yada, yada. And then... What is this vaccine? So the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is different from Moderna and from um, Pfizer in that it uses a viral vector. So, you know, when we've talked about these vaccines before and talked about the incredible Are incredibly exciting technology that is used in these vaccines. Um, You know, of course, we know that the Biontech and uh, the Pfizer Biontech and Moderna have used uh, an mRNA model. That is that is their vaccine is the mRNA for this spike protein. Um, But this one is different in that it uses a viral vector. So. What this is, is that they use an inactivated virus to carry the DNA of the COVID virus and carry that into the cell. So in this case, they're using an activated adenovirus, which is the cold virus, um, and they are coding, they inserted the DNA that codes for that spike protein um, into the adenovirus, and the adenovirus then carries the DNA uh, for the spike protein into the cell. And then it goes into the replication process where the spike protein gets presented to the cells, uh, presented on the cells rather, and then the immune system does what it does in learning that this spike protein is foreign. And then remembers so that in the future, if you come in contact with covid your body already has seen it, and your body knows um, what this is. So that's very exciting to use to use one thing to carry another thing. So that's what's different. Um, you know, again, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines use mRNA. Um, this vaccine uses DNA and you know let me just pause and say that even though this is a DNA based vaccine uh, it is not going to take over your DNA or change your DNA in any way shape or form that that's not how the biology works. So that is the Johnson and Johnson vaccine in a nutshell. And so, you know, I am very, very happy that they um, received an EUA, an early use authorization from the FDA, because then that's just one more uh, weapon that we have to try and get this pandemic under control. So, again, I encourage you to uh, do your research and also, um, you know, to consider um, taking the vaccine, have this discussion with your care provider um, and with your family if if it comes to that and uh, get the vaccine and let's get this thing done and over with so we can get to our new normal. I am Dr. Carissa Hines. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa and we'll be back after a short break. (music)
1: Just for Pets Wellness Center reminds old-fashioned health listeners and pet owners to never leave pets unattended inside a parked vehicle, not even for a quick errand. Temperatures can rise to dangerous levels fast. Visit our website for more information at www.just4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. March is Women's History Month, and at the Real 1100, we'll be celebrating contributions to history, culture, and society all month long. In 1981, Dr. Alexa Kennedy became the first black female neurosurgeon in America. Not only did Dr. Kennedy specialize in congenital spinal abnormalities, hydrocephalus trauma, and brain tumors, she was also known to play video games with her pediatric patients and form close relationships. She was later the chief of neurosurgery at the Children's Hospital of Michigan and also received the American Medical Women's Association President's Award in 1993. Stay tuned as we will continue to celebrate women throughout March. Mm.
0: Mm. Ain't none to it. Real one. Ain't none to it. Boss. Ain't none to it. Real one, ain't nothing to it Boss And we are back. You are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa, and thank you so much for listening and coming back with us after the commercial break. So, you know, like I said, we were talking about uh, in our first segment, we're talking about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and giving you all some information about that. And, you know, just kind of moving on into other hot topics in the news in terms of medicine. And so I'm I'm getting ready to talk about some family, y'all. I am um, Mississippi and Texas um, what, what y'all doing what, what's really going on so in case you did not know uh, the governors of these states have decided to lift the mandatory mask mandates and open their states up 100 percent and yeah that is that is very very concerning uh, even though you know I don't live in Texas or Mississippi but still You know, they're 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 good people there. And so we don't want them getting sick. So here's why that's a problem. Right. Because on the one hand, you would say that, you know, the economy is suffering and it is and people need to get back to work and they do. Um, But here's why this right now is is premature. Okay, so um, the vaccinations, while they are on the rise and, you know, it's very exciting that we now have a third vaccine, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Um, And, you know, President Biden is projected that every adult should be able to be vaccinated um, by May. So, you know, with it being March, that's only two more months that we all have to do with deal with this. And there will be enough vaccine for everybody that wants one, which is great. But here we are, so Texas, so Texas has about 30 million people, I believe. I think they're about a 10th of the the total population of the United States, but only 7% of the eligible population has received a vaccine, so about 1.5 million people. And in Mississippi, the number is even lower, only about 666,000 people uh, that are eligible have received the vaccine. So a couple of things when we talk about these numbers and why these numbers are important is because when we talk about getting to herd immunity, right? So what herd immunity is, is if you immunize enough people, then it also gives protection to those who cannot have the vaccine. Um, and herd immunity, we usually reach that at about 70 to 80% of whatever that population is. So for us in the United States to have herd immunity, we have to have about 200 million, there's about um, vaccinated, right? So when you're talking about your population in your state is 30 million. So let's do the math, because you know, the math doesn't lie, right? So 30 million people, if we needed to do 70 percent, you're talking about 21 million people, but they have only vaccinated 1.5, which is significantly lower than 21 million. So they are not even at a point of herd immunity where they could say, you know what, we can take masks off and we can just go out in public and do all that we want to do because enough of us have had the vaccine. They're not there yet. Mississippi, totally not there yet. So the problem with with this is that you know we now have COVID variants, right? So I believe there are about three of them um, that are that are spreading across the United States. And these variants, when we relax our social distancing, our mask wearing, and our hand washing, then we allow these COVID variants to more easily spread. And the danger with that becomes when one of the variants now becomes the dominant strain. Right. So it's like they're all competing to be number one. Right. So the original COVID strain is what is the most the most common and the most dominant at this point. But the other the other variants are eyeing that number one spot and and working towards that. So when we relax ourselves, these things can spread. And we know that these variants are more easily transmissible. So that means it's more easy to transmit it from one person to the other. And of course, the other things that are true about COVID are still true in that we don't know how someone will be affected by it, how severely or not severely. Right, And so when you have something that you can catch e- more easily uh, and then it's still just as harmful, you definitely don't want that. You want to do all that you can to, to stop that spread. Um, the variance is a thought that the variance may make vaccine the vaccine less effective. The prevailing thought is that the vaccine will work against the variance. However, if the variants become more dominant, there may be some resistance to the vaccine. And so then all of this work, all of this vaccination will be for nothing. And so we'll be right back to where we were this time last year, right? With this thing spreading like wildfire and continuing to kill folks and and all of that. Um, And then, of course there could be another COVID surge. So taking you all back a year, we remember, who was it? Was it Florida that decided that they didn't need to wear masks and, you know, invited everybody for spring break to come on down and, and do whatever you want. And, of course, you know, these were younger people who, you know, felt or knew that they wouldn't be as affected, and never mind that they would be taking this home to parents and grandparents and so on and so forth. And we saw surges. Um, also there was a state that opened I'm trying to remember who it was that opened for business and then had to shut right back down again because we started seeing these surges in cases and how these surges become dangerous is when you talk about hospitalizations so of course we don't know who is going to be affected and in what ways and to what degree of severity but When you do have people who are severely affected, they do what? They go to the hospital. They may even be hospitalized. And we've talked before about the number of ventilators that there are um, and the number of ICU beds that there are, the number of isolation beds that there are. And And we have seen, I hope you all have seen, how easily that system is overwhelmed. Um, you know, and I'll share just a personal story. A hospital that I service in the emergency room, um, we had to borrow two or three ventilators, and that was a city in in South Georgia where I was. And we borrowed these ventilators from Atlanta, so they had to drive three ventilators, four or five hours, to bring them to me. So imagine you are having trouble breathing and you are waiting four to five hours for a machine to help you because there are none available where you are. Also imagine that if there are no hospital beds available for you and you have to be transferred to another state, because I've done that too. um, I've transferred people from New Mexico to Texas, Texas, from Georgia to Alabama, from Georgia to Florida. So imagine you having to go to a whole nother state to get a hospital bed. So that is why, you know, we don't want any more increasing, any more surges in our COVID numbers, because then it becomes very, very dangerous for the population at hand. And we don't want to, I'm going to take y'all again, I'm going to take y'all back. We do not want to be in a situation like our brothers and sisters in Italy were where they had to decide who gets a ventilator and who doesn't get a ventilator um, because, you know, the resource just ran out. So, you know, you don't want to be in those situations. So, um, you know, I, I encourage you all wherever you are, but particularly in Mississippi and Texas, I don't care what your governor says, please continue to wear your mask. Please continue to wash your hands. Please continue to social distance. And there are quite a few companies who are based in Texas who have said, we don't care what the governor says, we will still mandate mask wearing in our stores and businesses. And that becomes problematic because once you don't have the enforcement of the law, you don't have that backing behind you, then it gets down to an employee who probably makes, you know, whatever wage, having to be that person confronting other people about wearing their mask and trying to enforce the rules. And, you know, we've seen that before, too, where, you know, that led to some very, very dangerous confrontations. And, you know, I just don't think that, you know that that person uh, let's say that person makes a, a minimum wage I don't think that that's a part of what they signed up for to have to sit here and fight with you about you know wearing a mask because that's what the rule is so you know I'm going to ask this of, of our folks um, that we can be kind to one another and be gentle to one another uh, and continue to just you know just do this because it's not going to be that much longer you know like I said By May, most adult, there'll be enough doses for for all of the eligible adults in this country. So we just have to wait a little while longer. And if we all get our vaccines for those that want them and those that can take them safely, then we can all go out. We can all take our masks off and then we can all go back to living our lives and enjoying the summer and doing all of those things. I just think that this is wrongheaded Um, I'll I'll say that in my humble opinion. Uh, And, you know, it's just going to lead to a setback. And we all have been in this long enough. Y'all agree? I think y'all agree. I'm going to say y'all agree. All righty. So when we come back from a short break, we will continue with our COVID-19 updates for today. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We'll be right back.
1: Be sure to listen to The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell, a podcast that explores emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In The Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is Alvin. And this is Edmund. On On the the Old Fashioned fashioned Health Show. Show. Tune in each Friday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And listen to us live on iHeartRadio or the Real 1100 app. Where we talk about healthy information, products, and or services. And get some old school music in. On the Real 1100.
0: Welcome back. This is Dr. Carissa Hines and I am your host today on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We are doing a COVID-19 update today. And so keeping with that, let's talk about numbers, right? Because I I like math. I'm not tremendously good at it anymore. Um, But math doesn't lie. The numbers are what they are, right? So... Let's talk about where we are in terms of numbers. So our total population as of 2020 in the United States was 331 million people. And as I said, in order for us to have herd immunity, 70 to 80% of that population uh, needs to be immunized. And so we're looking at upwards of 200 and some million uh, would have to, to be immunized. At current we are at 80 and a half million vaccines administered. So we're almost halfway to herd immunity, right? Which is great, right? We're a little less than half. Um, but, you know, we have to keep keep our foot on the gas and and be diligent and i'm going to keep saying this because i'm hoping that the person who has decided that because someone said that it's okay to take your mask off that they're going to do that so no don't do that don't do that don't do that don't do that so 331 million people in this country uh 28 and a half million cases of COVID as of today according to the centers for disease control as I said, 80.5 million vaccines administered, which takes us almost to halfway uh, towards herd immunity. And here's the unfortunate number, uh, 515,000 deaths. So now, um, you know, I have heard people talking about uh, the number of deaths and people want to talk about the conspiracy theories that it's not really that, that many deaths. Um, and, and I'm going to come to that in a second. So I'm just going to just going to bookmark that one. Um, and I'll come back and we can talk about some of the things that, that people want to believe. Um, but just in plain numbers. So 515,000 deaths. So when we talk about war, because that's one of the ways that we measure large-scale deaths, right? So when we talk about combat-related deaths... In the Civil War, there were 214,938 combat deaths. In World War I, 53,402 deaths. In World War II, 291,557,000 deaths. In Korea, 33,686 combat deaths. In Vietnam, 47,424 combat deaths. In Afghanistan, 1,833 combat deaths, and in Iraq, 3,836 combat deaths. Now, when I say combat deaths, these are not including deaths that happened um, after the conflict ended, because of course we know that there are, are some some issues that are that our uh, soldiers face even after the, the combative period is over um, and their deaths related to that. But these are people that died in combat, right? So in all the wars from 1775, when we talk about the, the Revolutionary War, uh, to 2019, we have 666,441 deaths. So we are with covid only a little little more than 100,000 deaths shy of surpassing the number of combat deaths in all the wars fought in the history of this country. So I want you all to sit with that for a minute. So when we talk about over a 400, almost 400 year span, right? That this one pandemic that has lasted now a year, has almost taken as many people as all of those wars combined. So that is why we are always talking about keeping your mask on and washing your hands and social distancing, because we see these, we, and by we, I mean those of us in the medical profession, we see these deaths, right? I mean, you know, I've seen people my age dying, which, let me tell you, is a head trip, because at this point in my life, I am looking forward to the next phases of my life, and, you know, when I've met these people, um, you know, they have been just like me. You know, they have teenage children, and they're looking, they've been married for a time, and they're looking towards, you know, the empty nest, and they can reconnect with their partners, and travel, and do all of the things in life that, that we hope that That we can do, and they won't get to do them. Um, you know, and so you know we definitely don't want to continue to add to this number, but I'm afraid if we go the way of Texas and Mississippi that we will add to this number in tremendous numbers. So I, I definitely, you know I, I know I'm kind of like a dog with a bone, you know, just kind of railing on that. But you know, this, this is this is what it is. This is this is the real thing. So okay. for those of you who are listening, uh, you heard during the commercial uh, that real 1100 a.m WWWE is celebrating uh, Women's History Month in March, and they highlighted Dr. Alexa Kennedy, who is the first African-American neurosurgeon in the United States and just, that's just mind blowing, um, you know. Just neurosurgery in general is is just wow. That that's all I can say to that. But March is Women's History Month, and uh, the reason why March is chosen is because on March first, nineteen seventy-two, uh, Title IX was passed by the Senate and became law in nineteen seventy-three. And for those of you who don't know what Title IX is, it is the law that prohibits sex discrimination or sexual discrimination in all federally funded education programs. So that includes, you know, your colleges and universities. Um, It also extends to sports programs at those uh, institutions as well. um, Because one of the things, uh, and that is still an ongoing fight, um, is when we talk about the funding, that comes to uh, some programs. So you'll have some programs, uh, some male programs that are better funded than some women programs, for example, in sports. Um, And so of course, you know, this law has kind of tried to even the playing field a bit. Um, But not only that, um, you know, we have to take this time and not just in March, but in every day uh, to reflect and honor the roles that women have played in our society, as well as in our own personal lives, right? Because uh, not every woman is a history maker, but every woman plays a part in history, right? Because I think when I reflect on the women who have helped me to get to this point um, and there are many, many of them and I won't start to name any of them because I don't want to leave anyone out but you all know who you are um, you know, I just am just grateful for them and I hope that I am also a woman that a future generation person will look towards and say you know what, I stood on her shoulders and I have gone a little bit further because of the things that she did and, and what she has left as her legacy so I encourage each of you, each of us, all of us to amplify the the voice of women in all of our spaces. So not just in the workplace, although that is tremendously important, but to recognize the female voice or the woman voice uh, in the home as well, because there are many women who not only work outside the home they work inside the home and kind of function in a in a dual role there or there are some women who work strictly in the home and let me tell you so if during this pandemic you know a lot of us are working from home and your children have been out of school and so you have had to do the job of uh, you know being a teacher and and all of that um, you understand how hard it is For women who work within the home, that it's a lot to juggle and it's a a huge responsibility and and they need to have their shine as well. So not only just amplifying the female voice in all these spaces, take some time to get familiar with some women's issues. Um, I reflect on last week's conversation with Mr. Brian Ford from Northwestern Mutual when we talked about talking about money in the workplace and how having those brave conversations brought a lot of pay inequality uh, to light, uh, where women were being paid significantly less to do the same jobs as their, their male counterparts. So that is one of the issues, um, you know, when we talk about pay equality, when we talk about gender equality, uh, when we talk about discrimination, and of course, you know, the, the big issue that is also in the news more frequently than, uh, unfortunately more frequently, I'll just say it that way, is about sexual harassment, particularly in, in the workspace, um, because we know uh, up in New York, the governor of New York is now embroiled in a scandal uh, revolving around uh, sexual discrimination and, and, and such things or in harassment I'm sorry so you know so these are things that we definitely need to continue to pay attention to we need to continue to listen to women and believe women and amplify and honor their contributions to every aspect of our society so when we come back from a short break we will have our vitamin C this is Dr. Carissa and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa
1: Why choose Just for Pets Wellness Center? Compassionate pet care services featuring an experienced veterinary team to superior customer service in a caring and friendly environment. We offer individual attention and tailored treatment for each pet. Visit our website for more information at www.just4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. Kids follow your lead. Help them stay healthy wash your hands don't touch your eyes nose or mouth and cover coughs and sneezes clean and disinfect the objects you touch often like your phone the remote and doorknobs avoid close contact with people who are sick and if you're the one who's sick stay home this station is part of the Beasley best community of caring and we care about your family for more info visit cbc.gov covid-19
0: are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, your humble host, Dr. Carissa, and welcome back. And so we enter into our last segment of the day, which I title our vitamin C because we all need uh, to take good vitamins uh, every day, and I give you all this vitamin every week. And so... Just kind of reflecting on uh, Women's History Month, right, and, and women in general. Um, you know, I saw a video, and and I encourage you all to to find this um, video of uh, Andra Day, uh, the singer, and she's accepting uh, an award, and Regina King kind of photobombs her video acceptance, and you know, just the enthusiasm that this that, that she shared and just showered on on Andre Day and just being happy for her in this moment and proud of her and just really really lifting her up I mean it if you watch this it is something that will definitely will just kind of move you to tears because this is the kind of support that women should give to women. Right. Um, And this is the kind of support that, you know, I've just decided that if you are not enthusiastic about what I'm doing, then, you know, you just can leave my circle because I am going to be that enthusiastic about what you have going on. Right. That I'm going to give you give you that kind of love. So the vitamin C, I came across this question. And, and it made me kind of think um, in terms of my, my life as a woman. And the question is, and I'm going to pose this question to you all as well. What's your favorite role in life? So when we think about all of the things that we are and all of the things that we do, what is your favorite role in life? And for me, my most favorite role is being a mother. And it's funny to me because I never really knew how motherhood would change me until I became a mother. Because motherhood was something that was going to be something that I did after I did my career and, and all of this. You know, I, I had goals that I wanted to, to do, and motherhood was not at the top of the list. However, um, you know, I got married and. And we had our daughter, Spencer. And being her mom is just my most favorite thing to do in life. It, it just is. Um, but, you know, that, that's for me. That's my favorite role. And in reflecting on this and reflecting on my answer, I am going to say that we need to be um, kind of careful and mindful about how we define women's roles, Right? Um, Because there is a school of thought, they're wrong, but there's a school of thought that says, um, you know, that diminishes a woman's womanhood because she is not a mother. Or that because she chooses not to become a mother, you know, that they kind of, um, you know, look down upon that. And that is not, uh, that is not the right thing to do, in my opinion. Or... There is, as, as someone um, mistakenly said to me, that I wasn't e. How did, how did they put it, that I wasn't a real mother because I only had one child. So, you know, I didn't understand the struggles of motherhood because I'm not balancing mothering two or three or five. Um, and, and so that conversation was, was quickly and very swiftly ended. Um, because I did not appreciate that because you know everybody's struggle is their own struggle right um so yeah so th- you know think about how it is that you know how you define your roles in life um, and you know when I was I was sharing on Facebook uh, you know about a difficult day that I had And one of my friends said something, because every now and again, I I think my friends are brilliant, but I'm, I'm biased, right? But every now and again, a friend will say something to me that just really blows me away. And what he said was, I've been in the cemetery, and I've never seen best employee on anybody's tombstone. Hmm. Think about that. And I have said before that, you know, when you work a job, you know, they may appreciate what you do, but if you die while while in their employ, uh, you know, sometimes your job will be posted before your obituary, okay? So, when we talk about and when we think about what our favorite roles in life are, make sure that those roles are meaningful to the people that, that mean something to you, right? Um Because, you know, I hope that your favorite role is not someone's employee when you have friends who love you and family who loves you. You know, I hope that those are are the those roles are the more favorite roles and the more important roles that we play in our lives. Right. So as always, a few quotes. So, Ann Rand says, the question isn't who's going to let me, it's who's going to stop me. You go, girl. And an unknown says, always be careful of what you hear about a woman. Rumors come from either a man who can't have her or a woman who can't compete with her. Now, that's a very interesting interesting concept and and speaks to jealousy um, which I will say you know the women in my life um, my professional colleagues and such you know I'm not in competition with them because there's room enough for all of us and that's the mind shift that that we have to have that there is enough reward be it financial or accolade there's enough for all of us to have some And the last quote, and what I will leave you with, here's to strong women. May we know them, may we be them, may we raise them. And I hope that I am doing all of those things. And I hope you all are too. This is Dr. Carissa Hines. Once again, thank you so very much for joining me on my very favorite hour of the week. And I hope that you all have a great week. And so until we meet again, Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Have a great week. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week.